WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. Charlie White indicted. Will the Secretary of State step down? Pat Bauer comes back to Indianapolis for a little while. The lone Democrat opposed to the House walkout, Danny Glover at the State House, and the governor's musical message to Bauer. That and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending March 4, Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. The path to a successful business has unexpected twists and turns. The legal professionals at Ice Miller are dedicated to guiding businesses along the journey. Experience takes businesses to the top. Ice Miller can help them stay there. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised. This week, a Hamilton County grand jury indicted Secretary of State Charlie White. White faces seven felony charges, including three for voter fraud and one for theft. White was just sworn in in January. He left the jail after posting $10,000 bond, refusing to answer questions, but issued a statement saying he intends to fight the charges. Throughout the investigation, White has said the errors in his voter rep registration represent an honest mistake. Special Prosecutor Dan Sigler disagrees. He engaged in a course of conduct to deceive, to deceive uh, the voters, to deceive the town officials, uh, to, to deceive uh, the people who are going to elect him. How long can Charlie White survive this scandal? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, are these charges a surprise? Uh, no. I think I predicted months ago that he was going to be indicted. Um, seven felonies? Well, seven was more than I thought. I had no idea about the mortgage issue or anything like that. The marriage um, license? The marriage license, neither of which I knew. But on the voter fraud, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, this isn't ordinarily the presumption of innocence applies, okay? But he's not disputing the fact that those are his signatures and that he actually put that address down there. Now, what he's saying is, I didn't intend to commit voter fraud. That doesn't matter. He intended to lie. The consequences of that are established by the law. If I punch you, which sometimes I've <laughs> wanted to do, you fall over and hit your head, I'm going to be guilty of manslaughter. I didn't intend for you to die. I only intended to punch you, but the consequences of that are established by law. It's the same thing here. The governor, the state Republican chairman, <clears throat> Mike Pence, Todd Rokita, all are saying that he should step down at least temporarily. Should he? Yes. I think that they've got it exactly right, at least while this is being determined, and, and uh, he should step aside and let the deputy uh, run the Secretary of State's office, uh, and then uh, he can come back to office if he's found innocent. His chief deputy is Sean Kiefer, who ran his campaign. That All of this difference. is... It doesn't. No, All of this of is part not. and parcel of the campaign. It doesn't make it? a difference. The deputy, the title deputy, 
that's what they're there for. So he could run the office until this is determined one way or another, and then he could come back if he's found to be innocent. I think Todd Rokita is an interesting case there. He had a chance as Secretary of State to investigate this, did, uh, passed along his investigation, wouldn't make it public. Well, he headed also, the recount commission that also looked at it, and now he's saying that he, I mean, he's being accused of hypocrisy. Well, I mean, you're, you're right. He was one of two votes that enabled or allowed or endorsed the validity, if you will, of Charlie White's place on the ballot. So there were junctures where he could have effectively pulled the plug. But, but I think there's probably an argument to be made, and I'm, it's, I'm guessing it's the one he would make, that he had different, was wearing different hats at different times. Um, when he, well, no, when he was chairing the recount commission, the question on the table was, you know, was he a legitimate candidate at that time? The, the indictment had not been handed up at that point. We didn't have, he didn't have access. I'm not trying to, to be an apologist for him. But, but he, he investigated the charges here, right, as Secretary of State? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, he did. And it's, it is interesting that the report was never made public, and it would be interesting to see what he found uh, as a result of his investigation. Uh, you know, we wondered why it was taking a little while longer for the, the uh, grand jury to do its, its work. And I think the additional charges help explain that. And I think it also means that it will be very hard for um, uh, Charlie White to plead this to a, a misdemeanor when you've got seven felonies against you. And uh, it also, I mean, it's going to be difficult to defend himself on this. He lied repeatedly, and he, rely, he lied repeatedly for his own financial advantage. And that's pretty darn clear from the evidence well, he lied, the record. He lied to preserve a seat on the Fishers Town Council, which pays $1,000 a month. But it also gives him health care coverage, which he wanted. Okay? And he wanted to be an elected official when he ran for secretary. There are reasons why he did what he did. You may you know, say it wasn't worth it, and obviously in retrospect it wasn't. But the fact of the matter is this is all about the arrogance of power. He was not vetted by his party, and when his party was made aware of the problem, they just simply said, this is a good Republican year, we'll get him elected anyway, and they're right. But now look what they're left with, and he's not going to step down and go quietly into the night. It's an embarrassment for the state of Indiana and the governor. It seems to me, Jim, if you want to call Todd Rokita's actions or judgment into question, which certainly people are, uh, you can also call into question the actions of the 57% of the Hoosier electorate that, that put him in. Well, how could know. you? Because they don't all read the paper like you do. It, ex <laughs> it received extensive coverage, and that it does beg that begs a question about how yeah. much voters, uh, how much responsibility they bear for for vetting candidates and screening candidates. Because certainly the information is out there, whether or not they consume yeah. it. That's that's their fault. Is he getting support from anyone? I have no idea. He said he is, uh, but I don't know who those people are at this point uh, inside the party. Uh, I, I'm stunned at the number of indictments. I, I'm like, I agree with Ann on that. I was shocked at seven indictments uh, on seven counts. That that was just, and I didn't know about the, the you know, the mortgage problem and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, apparently he used, the, he used falsified the address on his mortgage application and his marriage license. Those were, those right. were perjury charges. Right, and those are very serious charges. Um, you know, we talked at the beginning about how long he can withstand the pressure. The pressure is going to only ratchet upward from here because this afternoon The Hill uh, published an article or a, an item on its website that linked the governor and uh, Charlie White. Uh, they don't make the distinctions here. On the national level, um, the, Charlie White's problems are the governor's problems, and it's only going well, to increase the pressure they, from the governor. He did nothing to take him off the ballot. He didn't repudiate him when this, was a, when this arose 
or anything else. So, well, he said he did talk to him about that. He's also tried to mouth publicly and repudiated him. It would have been a different story. On the week of the election, I asked the governor if Charlie White was fit to serve, and his answer was 57% of the voters think so. They did. The irony here, again, is if he had sought virtually any other statewide office, uh, I mean, if he wanted to be auditor, he wanted to be yeah. superintendent of public instruction, for instance, yeah, these would have been problematic for him, but it would not have been the uh, potential death blow that it is when you the, are the, the person who oversees the portion of the law election that law. That's yeah. what makes it difficult. I mean, he's got the primary it's coming difficult. up. It's impossible. Well, he's got, that's, that's a good point. I mean, he's got a primary right. he's going to have to run and, and oversee and administer. How can you do In it? In May, if Charlie White steps down or is forced to leave office, the governor appoints a successor, and that will no doubt be a Republican. Democrats, however, have a lawsuit pending that is designed to disqualify White's candidacy and give the office to the second highest vote-getter, that's Democrat Bob Osley. Mike McDaniel, how does this end? Well, if he's found guilty, then it will end with the governor appointing a secretary of state. You don't think this Democratic no. lawsuit has no, any No, because I, I, I just don't believe that you're going to see the judiciary overturn an election uh, that happened in the state. It's just unprecedented that that's happened. I don't see it happening here. And I think the governor, if in fact he's found guilty, will pick the replacement. The Democratic argument is that Charlie White was never legally registered to vote and therefore wasn't eligible to be on the ballot. Which is true. Well, By was. his own admission. I mean, I mean, he falsified the address. He could not register from the address that he, that he registered from. Therefore, he could not, he should not have voted and was not eligible to be on the ballot. Mike's right. The threshold of having a court throw out an election is a tough one to, to, to cross. But in this particular case, where you've got you've got an admission that the that the registration was falsified. Now he can talk all he wants about I didn't mean it. I lied repeatedly, but it was a mistake. I didn't know where I lived. Whatever the defense is, the fact of the matter is that he lied, and it, it and it is for the top election official. If ever there were a case to throw it out, this is it. Um, who <coughs> people are lining up for that spot already, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there are a number of people. Uh, is it a good idea if you're hoping to get appointed by the governor? Is is now a good time to lay low or or, or step up? No, I think you want to lay low. Uh, I think if you start mounting a public campaign now, you're you're risking being viewed as an opportunist, and clearly you are. So I, I think um, <laughs> there are a lot of people who are letting the governor know, uh, and, uh, and some people are taking themselves out. But you know, yeah. I think that uh, Mike McDaniel, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I have had calls. I think that you want calls to from people who want their name I've mentioned. I've had calls who want to be mentioned. Who wants to be mentioned? I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> <gonna, I'm laughs> to. Although, although I heard <laughs> Shannon Kylie took her name out of it. <laughs> no, no, all go. right. How much did you get for that, Mike? <laughs> a lunch. Shannon would have been a good choice. <laughs> all right. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question is. Should Charlie White step down? Your choices are A, yes, B, not yet, or C, no. Last week's question was, did the Indiana House Democrats do the right thing by leaving the state? 62% said yes, 36% said no, 2% said it's too early to tell. 
Mike, you need to get Republicans calling in. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Minority Leader Pat Bauer came back from Illinois this week for talks aimed at ending the Democratic walkout in the Indiana House. The week ends with Democrats, including Bauer, back at a hotel in Urbana, Illinois. Bauer says his meeting with Republican House Speaker Brian Bosma was positive, but he says they are not any closer to a resolution that would end the standoff. Who knows? This is not a... A one-act play, it's many, many acts and many, many days. It may, have to, it may take many days, it may not. My number one encouragement to him, and uh, both uh, semi-privately in this room and, and uh, publicly through the media, is we need them to get back here, return to their job, and do the job they were elected to do. And the week ended, John Ketzenberger with Republicans saying they will find the Democrats $250 a day starting Monday until they come back. Will that bring them back? No, that on itself, that alone will not bring them back. Um, you know, they've, they've stayed out this long uh, at some risk politically, and uh, I think until they reach some kind of an agreement on the issues that are on the table, uh, they won't be back. In the past, fines have been forgiven when they've been levied by uh, both parties uh, in previous walkouts. Uh, this time the speaker says he wouldn't be sure that that's the case, but all of this will end with some negotiated settlement, and I'm sure that the fines will be part of that one way or another. This is a public relations war at this oh, point. Sure. Pat Bauer made this trip back from, from, from Illinois and managed to get a full day's worth of media airing all his grievances. The Republicans followed suit the next day by trying to, to, to grab some headlines with these fines, and Charlie White stole the headlines from them. Um, who had the better week? Well, it's, you're exactly right, Jim. It has been a media battle since since February 21st, when they uh, when the Democratic caucus walked out. It, and it, and it, we've seen it. The, the the battle has been waged over the per diem payments. It's been waged over who's paying for the hotels and the rental cars. And is it costing taxpayers? No, it's it's the Democratic State Committee that's picking up the tab. And in this, as John suggests, I think the the the, the notion of having to pay fines will not, in some ways it maybe emboldens them because the people who are already in their camp will simply say, see, this is another instance in, where, in which the Republican leadership is trying to strong arm uh, Democratic members. And I'm guessing that the party, if, it, if in fact an assess, a fee were assessed or a fine were assessed, the party would pick up the tab, perhaps as it has for the hotel and the rental cars. I, I, I don't see that as a might be a little real. trickier in that case because the, the the fines are going to be uh, deducted Taken out from of compensation. Um, Republicans are frustrated. Well, sure. I mean, they, they think they ought to be here doing their jobs, and they're not. And the, the vast majority of the public agrees with that. They think it's crazy that these are they, people are shirking their responsibility. Not all of them. They're still, they're still well, not the people a lot of marching at the so state yeah. house, but that's what, the 8% of the total population belong to those unions? <clears throat> and all the people that saw the state house weren't even from Indiana. They had three bus loads that I had lunch with one day at the restaurant downtown that were from Ohio, so don't paint this as all being from Indiana. People don't understand whether or not they're doing their jobs, and every day that they're out, it's another day where that PR battle is lost even more for them because people think they should be here doing the people's work for the state of Indiana. Is this really about what's going on now or is this about the next election? No, this is about what's going on now. And the, um, the Republicans did not run on anything regarding right to work. And they didn't run on the notion of vouchers either. And what they're trying to do, because they have a large majority, is trying to cram these down with very little thought 
um, badly drafted bills, and they're trying, some, to un, some, they're trying to have a war on the middle class. That's but at some point, the Democrats have to come back, and they're not going to have enough votes to override any of that. So. Well, that's the question, whether they do have to come back. And Mike's wrong. The public We're, is with the Democrats. They can stay out the, public is, the, public in, the public is with the Democrats on this, and it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, for example, it's not simply the unions, okay? It is anybody who's a working person or a middle class person in this state. You know, the same party that says bail out Washington, give billions and millions in, uh, in bonuses, says teachers make too much money. You can't That's say what this your this governor says that to the teachers. I'm going to finish my point, Mike. Hurry up. Interrupt Hurry you. up. You're so the, up. Point, the point about this is that they're doing the right thing, and, <laughs> and they're going to stay out until they get some adult who can negotiate really? with them, which means that the president pro tem or the governor is going to have to step That's in because Brian Bosma has zero credibility <laughs> with anybody. All right. One state representative, Steve Stemmler, a Democrat from Jeffersonville, is on his own. He's at the state house, but he's not with the Republicans, and his actions may make it difficult for him to be with the Democrats in the future. Stemmler reports for every roll call and quorum call in what he calls a principled stand. Unlike the two other Democrats in the chamber, he is not representing the Democratic caucus and leader Pat Bauer. The Democrats wish he was with them in Urbana, Illinois. And as far as I know, he has not communicated openly or even uh, covertly to the leader. So in that respect, I would say he is not supporting a walkout. He's chosen not to participate in this. I'm sure he's got, gotten intense pressure uh, from his caucus and his leader uh, to do so. And I, I just appreciate his uh, his stalwart upholding of his uh, duties. House Speaker Brian Bosma, preceded by Representative Charlie Brown there, Stemler declined to be interviewed for this story. He said he doesn't want his role in the walkout to be blown out of proportion. Josh Juanis, what's his future in the legislature? <laughs> I doubt I'll get a lot of hugs and kisses uh, when the caucus does come back and they have their first uh, caucus meeting. Um, he might, uh, might not be the most pleasant thing. But you know, in terms of how this plays and how it's blown out of proportion, uh, it's getting a lot of attention because of the sort of a news vacuum mm -hmm. anyway. But if this had, for this to have real significance, the numbers would have to be different in one of two ways. Right now, of course, Democrats are outnumbered in the House 60 to 40. Now, let's say there were, they had 34 seats and his failure to participate would give them effectively a supermajority. Mm -hmm. Then it would be, uh, you know, something we I think should follow more closely. Or yeah. if it were 50-50 or 51-50, because remember back well, in 1990 he, when Frank Newkirk, uh, who was a, a Democratic member, changed party, and that was right. at a time when there was a 50-50 split. That is a more significant thing. The numbers well, here just don't support making that, a big, big, big deal out of it. That begs the question that Stemler gets all the time now, though: is Are you going to switch parties? He says he doesn't have any plans to. Uh, will he have an option at some point? You mean, will he be forced to change to become? It, to, you know, to, he, it, he could become. There, there have been legislators in the past. Jerry Bales, for instance, another Republican who uh, really was all by himself as an independent. He refused to go to caucus meetings, and so he was a caucus of one essentially. So that's an opportunity. I mean, op an option for Representative Stemler would be to just, you know, be his own man rather than be a part of one of the caucuses or the other. I think John's right about the numbers. It's, it's really immaterial now. It's not important in, from a caucus perspective unless you have uh, a tight situation. You know, whether or not he is a Republican or Democrat, in his mind, probably doesn't matter that much right now. He thinks he's doing what he should be doing, and that's, you know, the people's business. He's one of two Democrats who 
was given a committee chairmanship by Brian Bosma uh, in, our, in a show of bipartisanship. He didn't tell his leader prior to the announcement of that. Um, it, the Democrats are pretty unhappy with it. I think, are they willing to embrace him again? I, I think the, the question just is, he's handled it. He's handled it about as well as he could staying there. By not, by not sticking his finger in the eye of his fellow Democrats, uh, I think it, it, that gives a bridge for him to come back into the caucus when they come back. Um, I, I, I think he's handling it correctly from his point of view. One of the things he's doing, his fellow Democrats aren't getting their per diem payments, and, and he is. Um, should, do you think he should at least uh, take that part of the protest to heart? He's there, what? isn't he? He's there every day. Why should he be? You think different? the Republicans are giving theirs up? <laughs> look, look, are you this gonna, is, this the Republicans going to recruit him? This is a principal stand that he's taken. He thinks he was elected to do a job, and he thinks it's his responsibility to do it. And he's correct. Uh, what, he's gonna, what, what this will do for him, it will probably make him very popular in his own district because he has stood up for what he believes in. Now, look for him to have a primary opponent uh, <laughs> generated by the unions, I'm sure. A well-financed Oh, yeah, well-financed primary opponent. But this is a principal stand, and he should be applauded for taking it. And, uh, you know, I have, th I have more power to him. I wish he would switch parties, but I, I'm not so sure that he would and, uh, because I think he believes in what he's doing, and he also considers himself to be a southern Indiana Democrat, and, you know, he feels the way he feels. Quickly. You know, it's uh, in terms of recruiting, I think they've reached out a little bit. The, the, the uh, speaker says they've had a couple informal conversations. But unless, for the reasons we've mentioned, unless he has the proverbial photo negatives on six of, from a caucus party, <laughs> uh, th if he had that, then the, then the leverage would be a little bit higher. Again, this is about numbers. And unless one person being picked off Not sure. without six others to go along, meaning that would be the, uh, the, the seven in total. That, oh, that, I got that, you. Okay. Now you've got what I've... Takes a while sometimes. Jim. Yeah, we're going to have to go back over the tape. Get yeah. <laughs> Hollywood actor Danny Glover came to the state house this week to support the union workers who are protesting on a daily basis. The hallways at the state house were filled with union workers who hear not only from Glover but also local labor leaders. Glover showed support for the workers but tried to stay out of the partisan battle. We have to tell those who we bring to office that we did not here bring you to office so that you can balance the budget on our back. This is a Republican-Democrat issue. Well, I, I, I don't want to see, I don't want to crave what, what is happening, this is happening on both watches. Mike McDaniel, did that visit do anything other than up the entertainment factor yeah, in this Brought market? some star power to the demonstrations. Everybody was craning their necks to see what Danny Clever looked like. That's what it brought to the thing. Uh, but that was about the extent of what, it. One of the union workers next to me said he thought he was taller than that. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. You know, I'm not sure it had a big effect on what was going on here, but it did bring some star power. Um, we've seen demonstrations pretty much every day. I don't think mm -hmm. there was one today, maybe uh, a small one. Uh, how long can this keep up? It can keep up indefinitely. It can keep up indefinitely to the Republicans stop making war on working people. <laughs> that's and that's what this ridiculous. is all about. But, but the, the rallies have been getting smaller and shorter. Sure. Well, it's because the Democrats are out. That doesn't mean they don't rally again when the Democrats come back this, and keep the pressure up. This is, a, this is a really bad dance right now. They're stepping all over each other's feet. Um, they had a clear path to an agreement earlier. 
it didn't work out, they have to find another one. I agree with Ann in the sense that somebody has to negotiate this difference, and it hasn't happened yet. And it has to be somebody besides Tom. Don't have the leverage that, for instance, Scott Walker, the Republican governor in Wisconsin, he has, his ultimatum now is, I'm giving pink slips to 1,500 state workers if, if Democratic senators don't come back. Now, that might get their attention, but, I mean, those are different circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and they're, and they, they're, they, Republicans here don't have that kind of, of leverage. And, by the way, Wisconsin got Bradley Whitford, uh, famous for his role in uh, West yeah, Wing. West so everybody, every state's getting... Uh, yeah, know, I, I think Walker is uh, escalating uh, on this till he has open warfare, and I think he's going to lose. So it's going to be an interesting battle. Outside the state house, the governor stayed out of the stalemate this week, at least in person, but aiming higher, his PAC, uh, the PAC started by Mitch Daniels, has two radio ads on the air, including this singing commercial. Won't you come home, Pat Bauer? Won't you come home? You've been a bad, bad boy. You took your public paycheck, you took our reps, and ran to Delaney, catchy tune. <laughs> catchy tune. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm really glad that the governor wants Pat Bauer to come back. That's a long way from being a fire bomber, which, which is what he called him before, a car bomber. Car, car bomber, bomber, excuse me. And, and, uh, and, and, then, and, and, then, he, right and then he either. took it back. And then he took it back. Well, right. And it's the, it's the lyrics aren't correct. He's not taking the per diem. Uh, uh, so, I mean, he ought to get he the facts correct. He's still getting paid. Right? He took he his paycheck. He ought to get the facts yeah, correct. He did. You think that'll work? Uh, I love it because it, all it does is put more pressure on them. And the public does think it's crazy for them to be gone. Mm -mm. And the more they run this, the more it reminds them of that. And that the more it digs a hole for the Democrats. No, we're what? getting more positive feedback oh, from the public. That's silly. Nope. That's why the national <laughs> polls are showing what they're You're showing. Like. This isn't a national <laughs> issue, Ann. We're it, not part of the U.S. That's, that's an interesting tone, though, isn't it? It, it, it it's, it's not harsh. No, I think it's it's I think it is an interesting tone because it does point up the difference. It takes a little bit of a fanciful take on it. Uh, it's clever, uh, and it also allows him to stay in the game. I think that the governor ultimately is going to be the one that has to solve this problem. That's Somebody. Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Kensenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash podcast, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. Just go to Hoosier TV and look in for Indiana Week in Review under news. I'm Jim Schello of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. First time. Yeah. Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Things can go wrong in a thousand different ways. Businesses need a law firm that knows the thousand and first. The team of legal professionals at Ice Miller is committed to helping put the pieces back together. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised.